Now today we also begin a new message series called Be Rich. You should have received a book in the mail with an entire packet of information about Be Rich. And if you did not, we have books available at the back. Pick one up and read the book by Andy Stanley. Uh, I read it about two years ago. When I read it, I thought, we need to read this together. Because what it says has so much truth to it, heart-changing, life-changing truth that we need to hear. And so I simply want you to know what's in there. It's a very small book. It'll take long to read, but I believe it'll change your life. It certainly helped me in my own. So I challenge you to read it. Uh, if you didn't get the packet, again, pick the book up. And the packet's available also as well. Let us know. We'll send you one for some reason you didn't receive the Be Rich packet, which is a four-week series we're in right now. Again, titled Be Rich. Now I want to tell you a story. True story. Uh, you might know we have a ministry in Africa, Rwanda, where we serve uh, a thousand orphans. This is our second group of a thousand orphans. Before that, we started with a smaller group. We kept building up. It's a quarter million dollar gift over a three-year period to take kids from uh, po absolute poverty and isolation. Uh, you can't imagine how difficult it is to be an orphan in Africa. Over three years to create independence, a community, faith where they can serve others. And it works in miraculous ways. And so we celebrate that. In fact, uh, we, we began it two years ago, our second quarter million dollar amount to be finished next December. Not this next, and we've already completed our commitment here a short time ago. And that is worth applause. That's amazing. Uh, our next commitment is going to be $300,000 to this cause. So I want to share that with you so you know clearly what this is. But on our first trip, I visited a young man in Rwanda, Africa, who was a success story. I want to see one who toward the end of this three-year program, and he was the one, uh, what he had been able to do. He was the envy of his friends and his neighborhood because he had succeeded. Let me tell you about him. He lived in a mud brick house that he and his community, other orphans, helped build. That He lived in that. It had about three rooms in it, very small rooms. On the ledge of one room, there was his toothbrush, which I stood there as he was sharing his story and saw the brush. It had maybe 10 or 15 pieces of the brush left still on it. And next to that was a small tube of Colgate toothpaste that was flatter than a pancake. But he's going to get some more out of it, I guess. Uh, that was his toiletries. Uh, in his bedroom, there was a blanket on the floor, and that was his bed. In the living room, there was a log he'd hauled in there, and that was his furniture. In the corner, there was a barrel about this big and about that tall, about two quarters full of peanuts, which came from the harvest of his group uh, that previous harvest time. And he also wore a, 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 a dress shirt and a tie, a pair of slacks, and a, pair, a nice pair of shoes. Probably the only thing that he, he dressed up for us. We would come see him. And on top of that, that group gave us from those peanuts not a lot more than this. We could not not take the peanuts. They said, we want you to have this. We want you to have a part of what God's given us and what you gave us. Uh, we always give 10% to our parents. We have no parents. First Methodist Mansfield is our parents. We want to give it to you. And so we, I keep this as a reminder of that gift that they gave from poverty. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you, though, today, that this young man considered himself rich. 
He was wealthy beyond his wildest dreams. And the biggest qualifier was that he could give now to us, other orphans, leadership, and taken others who were like him some years before. But my, my point of that story is he saw himself as wealthy and rich. Think about the message title, Be Rich. Think about the words that David read a moment ago from, second, from, from Timothy, Be Rich. Here recently, Rhonda and I returned, in fact, last night about 11 o'clock from our uh, trip to Massachusetts, and we enjoyed that period of time there, had a great time. Uh, enjoyed meeting her family for the first time after 51 years, uh, meaning that she had not seen her family for 51 years since she was seven years old. We reunited with them. We're going to tell that story one of these days, I think, uh, more detail about it. But I want to share this, uh, that we got a chance to have a meal with Rhonda's family. What a neat, cool family they are too. But I, again, I'll save that for a future time. But met with them for the first time in 51 years. And here is some of the foods they gave us there. We arrived just to kind of visit uh, late morning. We'd already had breakfast. Well, they had breakfast there for us, uh, two of our aunts. Uh, that breakfast included donuts, uh, cinnamon toast, cream cheese, coffee, and some other things. I, my memory fails me on that one. When that was done, and they come with a large plate full of crackers, salami, and cheese of every sort. And so that arises. And later on that week, we had dinner with the family all together. And here's a dinner that they served us. Pork loin, potatoes, gravy, corn, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, turnips, uh, applesauce, Italian cookies, ice cream, pastries, banana boat pastry. You have to have banana boat one of these days. Your life will not complete without a banana boat. It's about that big. It's like an eclair, only with bananas inside, banana stuff and uh, uh, whipped cream on top. Rum cake, which they made me test, uh, forced it down me. Fig bars. And when that was done, they brought an apple pie with whipped cream and more, co- and more ice cream. And then coffee came. This includes crystal, china, white tablecloth, silverware, flowers on the table, and a recovered family all around. Can you say, be rich? They're rich, wealthy. Now, not in the respect that some might qualify. Not the Bill Gates kind of wealth. Not the living in a mansion kind of wealth. Uh, but that was wealth. Richness was all evident there. You could feel the richness in, in the meal and the sharing and the hospitality and the family. Uh, there in Rwanda, you could feel the richness in this young man's house because he knew he was wealthy. He was bragging. He was proud. He was proud. He, he was saying, look what you've helped me do with my life, and now I want to give you something back. As he was giving those around him in his community something back that he had received. Be rich. Now, I want to read a few verses of this, of this chapter again. Uh, just a part of it to, so you can connect more clearly with what we're trying to say today. He first says in verse 17, the last part, he says, God richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That's the Bible. Put it in your head. Then instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Put that in your head. And then he says, those who do this are laying up a foundation They may take hold of what is life, what is real life indeed. They may grab hold of real life, not the fake life that so many live. And who's this written to? Verse 19 says, uh, verse 17 says, instruct those who are rich. Let them hear this. 
let them hear this. What makes someone rich? The book uh, that Andy Stanley wrote uh, has a few things in it that I want to, I want to share with you right now. You, if you've read it, you may have heard these already. If not, hopefully you will. If you're attending one of the classes that we're doing on the, on the video series from Andy Stanley, you'll see some of these facts as well. But I want to share here around the, the message today, Be Rich. And first thing is, if your household income is $48,000 or above, you're in the top 1% of the world's wage earners. Top 1% of the world's wage earners. In this country, you're in the top 1%, 1% in this country. Okay, second thing he says is this. Who is a rich person? How do you know who a rich person is? Typically, it's someone who has more money than you. So whatever we got, it's somebody with more than us. That's a rich person. So that, that means, you know, that uh, uh, one guy has to go to Bill Gates. More above it, Bill Gates is the rich one, you know, because uh, he has more than me. But you have to find somebody with more than you. Thirdly, and this is human nature. The more we have, the more we want. We yearn for security. We want to feel secure when our future to be, we want our barrel of peanuts in the corner of our living room that we're, we're secure. We're not going to be hungry three months from now. We want security. The more we have of what we think makes us secure, we more of that we want to have. If a little bit works, more and more will work. More and more. So we want more and more and more until we have so much to provide security for us. And that's not a bad thing to do that. Uh, but for us, many times, the more we have, the more we want. And fourthly, he says, and this is the most important statement that I think he makes in the book, Americans are rich. They're just not very good at it. They just don't know how to do it very, very well. And often they handle it by saying, well, I'm not rich. You know, that's how they handle it. Well, I'm not rich. I don't have to, so I have no responsibility to handle it well. And we do that, we do that to ourselves. Now 1 Timothy 6.18, command them to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. So it's a command. Do good. Help others, be extravagantly generous. Who's written to? All of us. Everyone in the service. It applies to the young man in Rwanda, Africa, and it applies to our family, a newfound family in Massachusetts, applies to my family, applies to you. And we have to qualify ourselves as wealthy in regard to the point I want to make next. Because today's about reevaluating our relationship with our money our stuff, and in that with our God around the first, the first question, and I have three more after that. How do we decide if we are rich or not? How do we make that decision? Where does it come from? Well, I'm going to share some Bible verses that may help you. They have helped me. And I've, I've changed some of the words of these Bible verses. I think they still accurately reflect the meaning of the verse, but also connects with the be rich thing. First one is, to live is Christ, to die is to be rich, is to be wealthy. Because to live is Christ, and that's wealth for us. And to see Jesus face to face is the wealthiest, richest moment of all. It's reevaluating how we understand what's important to us. And that's the first verse. Second verse is, Godliness with contentment, from the Timothy text, is great wealth. 
Godliness with contentment, being godly and being content is being great wealth. And I've learned that peace and contentment is the highest value you can actually really achieve. We want that so bad, what can we do to make that happen? How much wealth can we mass to make that happen? How much control can we get to make that happen? How much stuff can we have to make that happen? Yet here it says that, that godliness with contentment is the highest wealth. Well, thirdly, and King David says this, King David was king of Israel. He had a palace. He had all that he, anybody could possibly want. Highly successful in his world. He said, I am the wealthiest person I know because my sins are forgiven. That's how David evaluated his own wealth, even as a king. I'm wealthy because my sins are forgiven, not because I have a palace or have many horses or servants. So he says that for us. And one of my favorite Bible verses says this, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than live in the mansions of wickedness. And the word tent is used there, meaning the tents that would surround a wealthy nomadic tribesperson. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. So we're saying, here's what I value the most. I value the most belonging to God over anything else that I have. doesn't mean that having tents uh, full of, of things or, or having a good a positive retirement accounts or doing good with the stock market or taking a raise when it comes up. Not talking about that at all. What it's saying is my highest value is, hey, belonging to God is what I count the most value. And that's where I find my peace and contentment in that place. And that's the first question. Second one is this. Is godliness with contentment a qualifier of real wealth? And you have to answer that for yourself. I can't. Uh, I can't say for you, well, you consider being rich is. Uh, someone may say, well, being rich is having a million dollars or five million dollars or a hundred million dollars. I don't know what you say that would be. Or being rich is having the house paid for or my car paid for. Or being rich is I got that raise finally I've been wanting. I can't tell you what you, I can't tell you what you think being rich is. So I'm going to ask you, is godliness with contentment, a qualifier for you of real wealth. Is that what you shoot for? And then I can ask another question. Why are so many in our, in our culture who have a lot of financial wealth so miserable? Why can others who have very little be so happy? What's going on there? What does that mean? I believe I have the answer for that. I think we live in a culture dedicated to creating discontent in me and you. Because we live in a consumer culture, we have an old, we're bombarded overwhelmingly so by messages all the time, whether it be the media, uh, internet, social media, magazines, things that come in the mail, television, that want to make me discontented with who I am, what I look like, and what I have. Why? So I will buy that product, vote for that candidate, or buy into that idea. And for them to be able to achieve that with me, they're going to make me discontented. Because if I'm contented, I'm not going to do that. If I'm happy with the candidate that's there, I'll vote for them. You know, if I'm happy with the product that I'm using, I'm going to keep buying it. Happy with the house I'm living in, I'm going to stay in the house I'm living in. But if I'm discontented, then I may move in the direction those billions of dollars that are aimed at me wants me to go. And that's huge today in those slick marketing that bombards us every day that tells me that I should be discontented with who I am, what I look like, what I have, the country I live in, what I drive, where I live, 
what I eat and everything else. And we think it doesn't, it doesn't impact us, and I promise you it does impact all of us. That's why most Americans are discontented. They're not happy with where they are or who they are or what they are. They want to go somewhere else. They want to be someone else. They want to have something else. That's the way we are. That doesn't mean that I'm thinking ambition is not a good thing. So we're talking about discontentment. Do we care about God in such a way that, that should I be godly? And there's no marketing for godliness out there. There's nobody spending billions of dollars saying, God, and this is what it's at. God, and this is how you ought to live. God, this is where you find contentment. No, nobody's doing that except the church. And we, barely, we are barely able to do it. Think about what that really means for you. Okay, that's the, that's the second question. The third question is this. Uh, and I'll show a video first. I'm showing you a video uh, that speaks a little bit about the life of this church family somewhat, some things that we do. And if we showed you all that we do, uh, we'd be here for hours. It's a little snippet of a couple of things I want to share with you that just recently was part of the life of our church. Can we show the video now? Here's the point of the video, and this is the third uh, question. If doing good is wealth to us, then aren't we already rich? If doing good is wealth to us, then, we, then aren't we already rich? Already rich. If I ask you to uh, take 15 minutes and figure out your assets, most people can do that to some extent, not exactly, but you can figure it out pretty well. You'd be able to say, okay, here are my assets. <coughs> I've got this much saved up here. This much in retirement funds, this much equity in my home, and here's, a bunch, here's what I owe my car. You can pretty get it with a ballpark, figure it within a, a few dollars of what that probably is. And explain, tell me what your debts are. You probably can do that too. Well, here's how much I owe in the car, the credit card, or whatever on my house, whatever else. You can do that. We know something about the ability to, to gather our assets uh, and to take that against our debts, see how much we have in total, if we have anything at all. Some have a lot, some have a little bit. We know how to do that. Can we, on the other hand, figure out the assets we have as an asset on doing good? The verse here, the verses here say, 
we're laying up a life in heaven. We're grabbing hold of what, to what is life indeed. Can we actually say, here are the assets I value the most in my life? My relationships, where I can serve, those I connect with together in worship, uh, the way that I give and to a church, and a church does things like this every day, whether, I, whether I'm part of that officially or somebody being part of the church family, I'm connected with that. Can we actually, here are my real assets, the treasures I lay up in heaven, the Bible verse talks about, the life indeed I want to grab hold of that really matters to me. Can I do that? Most of us would have a hard time doing that one. Sorting out, okay, what are my real assets? What do I really value? What do I really care about? What really matters to me? Thank you, thank you. I was on an airplane last night till 11 o'clock, so I'm sure this is airplane voice here. Those that fly, fly a little bit, you know, that kind of goes with it sometimes, dry air there. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, can we do that? Uh, can you gather your assets in that way? Can you rethink wealth in a different way? Can you process even the financial assets you have and have that correspond to what you really care about, what that money's for, why you have that set aside, why you took that raise, why you want more income, and have it all fit together in a way that makes sense in a biblical way, especially around the Timothy text. That's up for each, each one of us to be able to do. Well, the fourth thing is this one, the last question. All right, it's not a question, it's a, it's a statement, but real wealth finds a balance in both enjoying wealth and being generous with wealth. Okay? Now the verse says, again, rely on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. I already asked you to connect with that one. And then instructed to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. It's finding a balance. Real wealth finds a balance between enjoying wealth and being generous with wealth. And that's whether it's a young man in Africa with a, with a barrel full of beans or someone who has much more money. And I'm going to make this analogy for you today. Uh, on that trip and others as well, spent about 10 days in Africa. Uh, we visit some of the African uh, kids who've been able to create independence. We also visit those who are beginning their journey, do other things as well as part of our adventure there. And it costs between three and $4,000 to go to do that. And so every time that I've gone, I have to find three or $4,000 to go to Africa. And you have to add shots and there's other little things that go on. So this is, there's probably some more expenses there in that one. And I do that. And I know that is being generous with the wealth that I have. It's saying I'm going to take this money and apply it to that cause and try to make that difference. Whether it's a dollar or three or $4,000. And I love doing that and do it as much as I possibly can with the wealth God's given me. But on our trip recently, we spent probably the same amount of money, and we got to, we got to go to Gloucester, Massachusetts. Anybody been to Gloucester before? That's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's right there where the Perfect Storm movie, if you've seen that movie where the ship was wrecked out there on, on the banks out there uh, and, and all hands lost on it, that's where it came out of. And we got to eat some lobster rolls and some, fish, some crab cakes and some lots of food. We ate lots of food. Ron's right there. We ate, we ate lots of food. And so we did that and got to enjoy being right there on the water, being able to see the ocean right outside our window and the sunrise and the sunset. That's pretty cool, I think. We enjoyed that. We got to go to Cape Cod. I'd never been to Cape Cod before. 
You have to go to Cape Cod, right to the very tip of Cape Cod, and look at the ocean from there. That was beautiful as well. And we went to the Wellfleet Oyster Fest. That is an experience in itself. Also on Cape Cod. We enjoyed that as well. Went all over Boston, Freedom Trail, all that. Stayed in, I think, four hotels? Four hotels in that time period. And that cost about the same amount of money as going to Africa did. Now, was one better than the other? No. They were equal response to being rich. One was we got to enjoy this as a family and how, how cool that was and with our friends as well. We got to go to Africa and serve these kids. It's finding the balance. If I do one without the other, it's a problem. Those who think only, they, can, they can only do those sacrificial things like that all the time, they're headed for a fall and I've seen it. Those who spend all their money on just fun, they're headed for a fall and I've seen it. The Bible's telling us find a balance. God's given you what you have to enjoy, and it's a good thing to enjoy it. And hey, bring another crab cake out if that's what you're enjoying doing. Though you can't eat for a week when you get back, and that's, you know, I already think I'm going to have to be able to have, but I'm not going to eat for lunch today. Uh, but on the other side of that, you know, to say, hey, I, I'm going to be the one of those that's going to get a chance to connect with this mission and ministry as well. I'm going to do, I'm going to do Hands of Christ. I'm going to do Kairos Prison Ministry. I'm going to serve my neighbor. I'm going to take care of my kids and my grandkids when the time comes. And that is a service as well, equal to going to Africa, just the call that you have. Doing all those things makes life what it should be. And we can say, that's being rich. And the point is this, it's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. We worry way too much about what we have and what we don't have. Hear me, please. We worry way too much about what we have, what we don't have, than what we really do with it. We often have no idea what we're doing with it. We must be able to answer that. And Timothy, be rich, gives us a good head start on being able to do that. We bow me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words you have given us. Some of them are very easy to hear and take into heart. Some are not so easy. Some are easy to understand. Some of them are not so easy to understand. But God, they're from you. These words are from you. And Timothy and Pastor Andy Stanley and the preacher of Mike Ramsey this morning. We pray, God, you will hear these words and they'll change our lives. As you celebrate, God, you're giving us all good things to enjoy. Now your call is for us to do good with it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.